Father, I just want to stop talking about other things now, Lord, and just want to speak about you. Father, your word. I just want to pray, Lord, that you will help us, oh God. Help me, I pray. Help Kim as she communicates these words to the deaf people here today. Just help us to serve you. And the same spirit, Lord, that you give to your servants, I pray you will give to your whole church. That every single person will partake of the same Holy Spirit today. Lord, speak to our hearts, we ask of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've entitled this message, um, I Will Be With You. And this message, this is going to go through for the next few weeks. Because um, we're going to be in the Old Testament. Now many people don't know much about the Old Testament. And so this morning we heard about a man called Noah. And we all know a little bit about Noah. You know, we've, we hear about people like Abraham or, or David. And we know a little bit about David and Abraham. I myself been speaking about Joseph and his colourful coat last year. And we, and we know a little bit about, about Joseph. But the one person that often gets overlooked in the Old Testament is a man called Joshua. And the reason why I've chosen him to speak about Joshua today is because in a few weeks' time, we'll be looking at Easter. And in a few weeks' time, I'm already looking, I'm already thinking about the Jewish Passover. I'd rather use the word Passover than Easter, but you know what I'm talking about. In April, right about the, the 21st, the 22nd of April, we've been looking and thinking about the Passover and what it really means. And you know that Joshua, the name Joshua, it means in Hebrew, Yahweh saves or God saves in Hebrew. And the name Jesus in Greek also means Yahweh saves or he will save. You shall call his name Jesus because he will save. So in Greek, the name Jesus means Yahweh saves. And in Hebrew, the name Joshua also means Yahweh saves. That's why. I'm going to hang around Joshua for a few weeks because I want to get you ready for what's going to come in April. I want to really get your hearts stirred, your minds thinking about what's going to take place come Easter. Now, um, why is Joshua unique? Well, Joshua does not only have a book named after him, You've got um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then the next book in the Old Testament is called Joshua. Not only has he got a name, a book named after him. He also appears, not only in that book, but he also appears in Exodus. That's where we first are introduced to him. That's where we are first Um, We first meet him. We meet Joshua, not in his book. We actually meet him in Exodus. And so this morning, I've got four Ps to get through to you. Four 
headings, all beginning with, with P, and they're quite short, so you know, we're going to take them one by one. And the first P that I want to speak about is personal. So we read this this morning, these words. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside a camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord will go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Let me take a moment to explain that to you. Moses took an ordinary tent. It's an ordinary tent. And he pitched it outside the camp. And he said to the people, if you want to speak to God, if you want to inquire of God, then what you need to do is leave the the religious people, leave the, the group, leave the crowd, and you need to come away from them and go into the tent. And then, there, you will seek God. You know, and the principle still remains true today. You know, it's great to be a part of a church. It's great to be in a place of worship. It's great to be able to, to sing and, and to worship God together. It's great to be able to hear the preaching of God's word together. That is wonderful. But Jesus turns around and says this in Matthew. He says this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen, that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Sometimes we do not emphasize this enough. We emphasize, come to church. When you're going to be in church, I want to see you in church. We emphasize that. But sometimes we do not emphasize that enough. Jesus said, when you pray, go into a room, shut the door, do it in private. Have a personal one-to-one meeting with me. It's great to be in a crowd. Great to worship God. But Jesus calls you throughout the week and says, come aside. Shut the door and spend time in secret with me. This is imperative. It's imperative because if you want to grow as a Christian... If you want to become mature, you need to be able to do this. Moses, Moses knew what it's all about. Moses himself had this wonderful personal relationship with God. So we read in our Bible reading, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud will come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. The Lord will speak to Moses Face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Wow. Isn't that just amazing? The Lord will speak to... Can you imagine speaking with the Lord like that? And Moses had that privilege. There was another part in the Bible where it says that Moses, he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hands. He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He wasn't aware that his face was glowing. It was bright. It was shining. Why? Because something of the beauty and the presence and the splendor of God was on him. And when he came out from the presence of God, that radiated. 
He had to put a veil over his face because he reflected something of the glory of God. And listen, when you spend time with God in prayer, some people think, well, I go to prayer because I want to twist God's arm. I want to get God to do something for me. If I can get into prayer and twist God's arm, then I can come out with some kind of victory. No, when you go into prayer, guess who changes? When you begin to pray, you begin to change. You begin to reflect something of God's character. You begin to reflect something of God's beauty. When you spend time, when you go into that closet and shut that door and spend time with God, you change. Moses knew it. Something wonderful happened to him. That's why it's imperative. That's why I have to stay on this. Because I know that many people today don't get time to spend time with God. Don't get opportunity in their thinking to shut the door. Life is too busy, they think. It's been three hours watching a movie. An hour and a half watching soaps. Umpty times going to the fast food restaurant and ordering and standing around waiting for the Chinese to come over the counter. Lots of time to do everything else, but we don't seem to have time to shut the door. Spend time with God. Now, I say all this to bring you to this one point. Where was Joshua in all of this? Where was he? Well, in our Bible reading, we see him right at the end. Look what it says. The Lord will speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. When Moses arrived to his tent... Joshua was outside. When Moses went in and the pillar of cloud came down and Moses began to speak with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend, Joshua was outside the tent. When the cloud lifted and Moses stopped speaking and stopped praying with God and leaves the tent, where was Joshua? Joshua remained outside of the tent. And the reason why Joshua remained outside the tent is my second point. First then is the personal. Second is this, the presence. Joshua stayed there because he wasn't interesting and pleasing man. He wanted God. Joshua was in love with the presence of God. Joshua was in love and was taken up with the majesty, the splendor, the awesomeness of God. That's why Joshua didn't want to leave the tent. He was there at the tent and when God came down and Moses went in, he remained. And then when Moses left, Joshua didn't follow Moses. Joshua wasn't concerned about um, and getting in touch with Moses, even though Moses had the glory of God upon him. Other people will look at Moses and bow down to him and respect him, but not Joshua. Yes, he respected Moses, but Joshua wanted what Moses had. 
Joshua did not want man. Joshua wanted God for himself. You see, Jesus had this issue with the people in his day. In his day, people was really looking at pleasing men. Look what he says in John chapter 5. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? How can you believe if you seek praise one from another, but you do not seek the praise that comes from God? Listen, the problem with a Christian church is that we have celebrity pastors and ministers. People who turn around and say, you know what, I've got to go to that church because that church is where that preacher is preaching. I've got to go to that meeting because that meeting is where that man is speaking. You need to get past the preacher. Get past me. Get past anyone that you might put up there and say, oh yeah, I want to hear what he's got to say. You need to get past and done with that. You need to want God for God's sake. Want to seek God because he is worthy to be sought after. Not man. And Jesus said, how can you believe if you seek the praise that comes from other men, but you do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Joshua himself didn't want anything else. He liked Moses, I'm sure. He respected Moses, I'm sure he did. He valued Moses. But he didn't follow Moses when he came out of the tent. He didn't go where Moses went. No, no, no. He stayed at the tent of meeting because he was in love with the presence of God. My dear friends, how I wish the church was far more in love with God's presence than anything else. Joshua was in love with God's presence. Now, what would you know if you, like Joshua, fell in love with God's presence? What would you know? If you, like Joshua, fell in love with God's greatness and his splendor and his majesty and his awesomeness, you just fell in love with God, what would you know? That brings me to my third P. You will know his provision. You will know his provision. Now some of you would, you know that when God sent Moses to get his people from Egypt, um, God, sent the, God sent Moses to get people from Egypt. When he got them out, he's going to bring them into a land of Canaan. A land flowing with milk and honey. And so that was the plan. And so God turned around and said to um, said this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am going to give, I'm giving to the Israelites. So Moses chose 12 men. And those 12 men went out into the land of Canaan to explore the land. And as they went, the 12 men came back. Two of them came back with great news. They came back saying, the land is wonderful. It's great. It's beautiful. What God's going to give us is 
a tremendous land and, and God will give it to us. One of them was Joshua. He was the one who said that God is able to give us this land. Another guy who came with him was a guy called Caleb. Two of these men came out from spying the land and they said, wow, what God is going to give us, we can take. It's absolutely wonderful. But ten of the others didn't have the same opinion. Don't know if you ever read your children the story of Winnie the Pooh. There's a little donkey in that story. Do you know that donkey? Eeyore? Eeyore? I think that's his name. Always miserable. Always negative. Nothing is ever going to be right. Well, these ten were exactly like that. They came back and they said, no way. There's giants, these men, they were huge and big and, you know, those, like weightlifters and bodybuilders. They were giant guys and we looked like grasshoppers in their hands. No way can we go into that land. And they spread a bad report. And this is what the Bible says. But, when, but the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. They had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And they began to grumble. And they said, you know what? Let's stone Moses. Let's stone Aaron. And let's go back to Egypt. We no way we're going up there. Let's stone these guys. Get rid of them. And let's go back to Egypt. That's what they said. Now, the reason why Joshua and Caleb brought a good report back, the reason why, was because they knew something of the greatness of God. Because Joshua stood by the tent. Because Joshua saw the glory of God. Because Joshua knew how great God was. He knew that God could give them Anything God wanted to give them, even though there was obstacles, even though there were problems, even though there were difficulties, Joshua knew that God was able to provide. He realized that no matter how big the problem was, God would have been right there with him. And because he held on to God, God said this, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifting hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. None of you grumblers, none of you fault finders, none of you who want my desire, my presence, none of you who, who seek after my faith, none of you will enter into my promised land except Joshua and Caleb, but Joshua... He, the man who sought after me, the man who seeks after me, the man who loves my presence, he will enter into the land of promise. Now hear me, hear me good this morning. This is the promise that God gives to every single one of you who loves his presence. Every single one of you who loves being in the presence of God. He says, you know what, you love being in my presence, I'm going to take you home with me. So you can be in my presence for all eternity. 
You know, I have heard people turn around and say things like, you know, oh, I can't be bothered with church. Church is boring. Singing these songs, it's all a bit boring, isn't it? And, and, and listening to a preacher, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know what? I can't be bothered to, be, um, to sit down and listen to God's word. And yet they still want to go to heaven. I said, you know what? You want like heaven. Heaven is all about God's word. Heaven is all about worshipping and praising God. Heaven is all about enjoying the presence of God. Heaven is all about giving glory to God and being with God's people. Heaven is all, if you don't like it now, I'm telling you now, you don't want to be heaven. It's not going to be for you. Heaven is for those who will say with John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. I must get smaller. My values must get smaller. But his values and his glory and him must get bigger and bigger in my estimation. That's heaven. I remember the, the, the criminal on the cross. Remember him, the man who was nailed with Jesus? He turned around to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. At the 11th hour, this man was speaking and thinking about the kingdom of Christ. And Jesus turned around and said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. That is the promise that Christ has for you today. That if you love his presence, if you want to be close to him, if you want to be near him, then his promise is sure that he will bring you safely into his promised land, into his kingdom, into his heaven, into his glory. Provision. The final thing, then the final P, that you will know, not only will you know his provision, but you also will know his protection. Joshua stayed outside the tent of meeting. He stayed there. Even when Moses left, he remained there. He wanted something of God's glory. It's amazing what people will do. I remember um, me and my family went to um, Victoria um, Theatre to see a show there. We were blessed to go and see a show there. And we come out of this show and we decided to go for a walk in London. And as we walked around in London and we got pretty late and as we come back, we saw a group of people still standing outside the backstage door of that theatre. They was there waiting. They must have been there for an hour and a half. It wasn't a warm day. And they was waiting for the actors to come out the backstage so they can get an autograph. What made me laugh, though, was um, watching um, something on TV um, on, the, the, on, on NBA, the, the, the National Basketball Association League. And there's a guy there called um, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is actually retiring from basketball. And so as he was finishing his last game, he took off one of his trainers and he threw the trainers into the, the crowd. Now, if I'd done that, you know, people would disperse pretty quickly if I threw my trainers out into the crowd. But he threw one of his trainers out into the crowd. The crowd went mad. This black guy got hold of this guy. He ripped it from somebody's hand. He grabbed hold of his trainers so hard that he fell off the balcony and fell down to the floor. Because he wanted this trainers, this smelly trainers that this guy wore for 90 minutes. That's what he wanted. I didn't even get a pair. I only got one. 
Maybe it was the one-legged man, I'm not too sure. But he decided something so great. Joshua didn't want anything from man. Didn't want an autograph. Didn't want a trainer. He wanted the presence of God. And because he wanted the presence of God, the next thing we're going to look at, and the final thing we're going to look at, is that Joshua knew something about the protection that comes from wanting the presence of God. Now, let me just read this verse to you. It's self-explanatory. It says this. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. And so this is very self-explanatory. The Amalekites came and attacked Israel. Moses turned around and said, I'm going to go up into the mountain. And I'm going to take the staff of God in my hand. And I'm going to pray. And as I pray, you, down in the valley, Joshua, you do the fighting. But I want to tell you, Joshua, the victory is not going to be happening down at the valley. The victory is going to be happening up in the mountaintop. That's where the victory is going to take place. Because Joshua, I'm telling you, I'm going to be praying. And as Joshua stood at the mountaintop and prayed, that's where the victory is going to take. I can stay here for a little while because I'm telling you, prayer is so wonderful. Getting too close to God is so wonderful. That's where victory is. They might be running around and trying to speak to different people to get things done. Speak to God to get things done. And Joshua was there. So Moses was up there on the mountain to pray. And, and, and as Joshua was down the valley, Joshua began to fight. And as he was fighting, Moses was praying. But the problem was this. Moses was getting tired in prayer. And the Bible says this. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Here was Moses praying. But down in the valley, Joshua was fighting. But as Moses got tired, the Bible reading says, Joshua noticed that some of his men was falling to the ground. Some of his men were dying. Some of his men were pulling back and being defeated. And, and, and he looked up and his eyes, as it always has been, his eyes has always been on the Lord. As the psalmist says um, over in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Even though he was in that valley, even though there was problems, even though Moses was getting tired and he seemed to be losing, Joshua had his eyes upon the living God. And the living God had his eyes upon Joshua. But the Bible says this, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady 
till sunset. So Joshua overcame the, Amalek the Amalekite army with the sword. Joshua, how did you do it, Joshua? How did you? Was you skilled? Did you have, you know, a couple of swords? Did you have some kind of technique? How did you win, Joshua? And Joshua would say, you know what? Prayer. God had his eye on me. God was watching me, and I had my eye upon him. I lift my eyes to the mountains, what Joshua would say, for there is where my help comes. Not my skill, not my ability to be a great soldier, but my eyes being fixed upon the Lord. Now the problem, and I close with this, the problem with modern Christianity, this is the problem, one of the problems with modern Christianity is that we want God to keep an eye on us and make sure we're okay. But we don't want to keep our eye fixed on him. That's a problem. We want God to look after us. Lord, keep your eye on me and my children and my grandchildren. Keep an eye on my finances and bless my, 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 my going out and my coming in. And make sure everything around me runs sweetly, Lord. Lord, keep your eye on me. But Lord, you know what? I can't be too asked to fix my eyes on you. James 4 says this. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Draw near to God. This is the emphasis of my message today. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. You will know not only the provision, but you will also know the protection of God. Yes, you will have battles. Joshua did have a fight on his hands. Joshua did have the enemy right up in his face. But he did also have the eye of God upon him. Yes, you will have trouble. You will have problems. It might get a little bit tricky, a little bit bumpy, a little bit, a bit, a bit, bit rough along the road. But you will have the eye of God upon you. Do not fear. Do not lose heart. God's hand will be upon you. Why? Because there is another Joshua who has arrived. There's another Joshua who's already fought a battle. Not the battle in the valley, but the battle with hell and death. As another Joshua who doesn't need anyone to hold his hands up in prayer, for he ever lives to pray for you. There's another Joshua who had arrived. And that Joshua in Greek is Jesus. He has arrived. And because he has arrived, you can be assured that his eye is on you. I love what Jesus said. He said, do you see those sparrows? We see them every day. Sometimes we don't take notice of them. They fly around. Those sparrows. Jesus said, do you see those sparrows? Not one of them falls to the ground without my father knowing about it. You are worth 
more than many sparrows. That is how valuable you are to Jesus Christ. Are you drawing near to him? Are you coming close to him? Do you want to be near him? What do you think about his presence? Do you enjoy the presence of God? Not only in church. It's great to be in church. I love being here. But how about at home? How about shutting that door? How about going into a secret place? Saying to my wife, to your wife, you know, hold dinner for me. I want 15 minutes alone with God. Turn that TV off for a while because I just want half an hour with quietness and peace and I want to be with God. How about that for a change? Instead of turning the TV on, put the radio on, what's on the iPad? Let me download this and let me watch this. All this crazy stuff that we do every single day. How about turning everything off for five minutes and saying, I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to seek God because I want to be like Joshua. I want to stay. I want to fall in love with the presence of God. That's Joshua. That's his introduction. We're going to go into his book next week. And we're going to see what a man like him, who stays in God's presence, what God can do with a man like that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word and I thank you for your people. Thank you for giving them attentive ears today and attentive hearts as well. But Lord, my prayer is that we may not just be hearers of the word. Just saying to one another, oh, wasn't that a nice message? And, and didn't you, didn't, you know, wasn't that way good how you put all those P's together and, and having a conversation about the message? But may we be doers, oh God, may we be doers of your word. May we go away from this place and say, Lord, how can I seek your face? Give me a hunger for you. Lord, I don't pray enough. I don't read your word enough. I'm not in a private place with you enough. Oh God, change me, Lord. Make me into a Joshua. Make me into a person who loves your presence, oh God. Make me, change me, transform me into the man, the woman that you want me to be. God, may we not just be hearers, but please, oh God, make us doers that we might be those who build, build our lives upon a solid rock, which is Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.